0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Digging Through Dominoes. I'm your host, Terry Anderson, and in this podcast, we try to look through the dominoes of our past so we can change the game of our future. Today, first of all, I want to ask you to excuse my voice, and this was why last week's podcast episode was missing, I had no voice. It's coming back we hope. I came across an article, Seven Stages of Healing from Emotional Abuse, and it is by Barry Davenport on Live, Bold, and Bloom. It caught my eye because yesterday I had a session with my psychiatrist. Tomorrow I will be having a session with my psychologist. last couple of weeks have been pretty difficult for me personally, and I, I haven't really been sure what's going on. I've been numb, emotionally numb. I've been emotionally numb for quite some time, but even more so now. My sleep schedule is just really off. I'm off. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on with me? Is it normal depression? Is it isolation? Which I do tend to do. I tend to self-isolate. Is it feeling rejection? What exactly is it? Is, is this podcast in some way making me relive the events of my past with my parents and extended family? and putting me back into that, I'm not good enough phase. I don't know. I think it's all of that. I really think it's all of that. And there've been a couple of other things that have happened in the last several months that have made me reevaluate. You know, it's really, I thought I was making great progress, but these two things with two separate people have made me reevaluate my self worth, my progress, and once again, if I'm good enough for my own family. I guess there have been three people that have made me feel that way. I have to tell you, I, I've been estranged from most of my family for years with good reason. I really think. When I began to break in 2008, maybe before then I was showing some signs, but 2008 was really when I hit the bottom and I started just spiraling out of control. A couple of family members, um, my mother's siblings, noticed some things, they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes, they didn't ask me what was going on behind the scenes, not that I could tell them anything, because I didn't know really what was going on behind the scenes, but they made, we all made mistakes. And I was speaking with one of my aunts, and that I've been in contact with on and off, probably for the last year, And she's one of the people that had, besides my grandmother, that had one of the biggest positive influences on my life. You know, we've been talking back and forth. And I know she's talking with, there's another family member that's talking smack. And I know a lot of you guys can relate to that. And this family member is projecting. They are not in a good situation. And they're projecting. And they're projecting their feelings all over me, all over all sorts of things. And it's not right. I, you know, I, I feel like, and I've consciously put myself in this position of not fighting back, trying not to defend myself. Because what is that? That's just going to put me in the arena of throwing mud and adding fuel to the fire. So I'm not going to do that. But it's very frustrating when I see these people that have known me since birth and known everything I've gone through, listening to garbage, even though they're watching my, my podcast, they listen to my YouTube, they can see the changes in me, but yet I'm not good enough to get back into even a monthly conversation with them you know, texts go unanswered. So I, you know, that's hard because I've had to make the decision that, okay, that's the way they feel. It breaks my heart. I kind of in a way, I see in, in that situation, I see everything I've gone through and all the, all the work that I've done on myself. And I think many of you can relate to this. All the work that you've done on yourself, Is ignored by your family members, by friends. I've had friends that have done the same thing and I think a lot of it goes back to my last thing on judgment and not being able to differentiate the person you were before, the person you became, and the person you developed into. They're just looking at that one part and that's real hurtful. That's that's very hurtful. And, you know, I've got to realize that that's their decision. I can be hurt. I don't think that they're meaning to hurt me in any way, although that's what's happening. And then I had a situation with someone that has been in my life for, gosh, since like 2003, 2004, something like that, reach out to me, and I thought we were doing really well. All of the, all of a sudden, I'm ghosted. So what does that do? That triggers my abandonment feelings. There's some more situations I really don't want to go into. But when I came across, well, I was talking to my psychiatrist, and he said, "What's what's going on? There, you're not. Something's wrong." So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I feel numb. I feel that I'm completely regressing. I feel emotionally exhausted. I'm feeling really, not crazy, but just fed up because my sleeping rhythm is off. So I know something's bothering me you know, we talked about, is it the podcast? And he didn't think that it could be the podcast, although it would stir up some memories and some feelings, which would be good, because that means I get to open those feelings, I get to open those boxes, and I get to really look at them again. And he he said that I've been going at such a pace that I could be tired. I'm emotionally tired. I'm having to really sort of learn how to re-enter society, especially with, you know, since the pandemic and everything, I've been completely isolated. I have a condition that does not allow me to wear a mask. So I've been home for two years doing nothing. And that can all be playing in a role in what's happening. This is how bad it got. I have not been sleeping And I've got, you know, my Apple Watch on. I monitor my sleep. I was getting great sleep, like 85 and above in quality. All my sleep just had been good. And in the last three weeks or so, it is mega effed up. I don't know what the heck's going on. But that tells me something that I've learned from past. Is there something going on with me that I need to figure out? because I don't want any type of explosion, which I don't think is going to happen. I've really, in a way, mastered disengagement. If a topic comes up that is prickly to me, or I know it may lead into an argument, I disengage. If someone starts calling me names and doing things like that, in the attempts of trying to get me to engage, I back off. So that's that's a huge accomplishment, but it's emotionally tiring. You know, the other day I walked in on a conversation that I know I wasn't supposed to hear. And I didn't mean to walk into it. All I did was walk up to the garage. I've, I, I'm planting all this lavender that I got on my excursion with my son a couple of months ago, I'm planting like major lavender in this huge yard of mine and the soil sucks. So I have to walk up a set of stairs to get into the garage to get this other bag of soil. So I do that and I walk into a conversation and what I heard was very concerning. It was very concerning to me in several ways. I think the most concerning part about it was it was a conversation I was not supposed to hear. It wasn't about me. It didn't have anything to do with me. Uh, someone was confiding in someone else about another issue. And that hurt. That stung. And it took me a little while to to ask one of the participants, hey, was anyone ever going to tell me about this? What's, what's going on? What's the status? Why wasn't I informed? And I was given, given an explanation that I think was truthful, but veiled. And that's kind of hard to deal with, but I'm learning to do it. I didn't demand answers. I just asked what was going on. This is what's going on. Now I see that there's a situation where I need to pull back and I need to pull the reins in, look the other way, be there when appropriate, but sort of stay out of the way of what's happening. It doesn't make it any less hurtful, but it does give me, I do have the tools now to be able not to be really reactive to ask a question and see where it leads. And if it leads one way, great. If it leads the other way, I have the tools to use so I don't get crushed in the process. And that's been a hard thing. I've, I haven't had those tools before. So I'm looking up this and when I, the name of the article is Seven Stages of Healing from Emotional Abuse. Okay, first of all, I want to make it very clear. I am not specifically speaking of anyone. Everyone knows I came from a emotionally neglectful childhood. My ACES score was nine out of 10, which is pretty, pretty high and is a pretty good indicator of CPTSD. And that childhood peace, and I think it would have been higher had I not had several people in my life from the time I was an infant to make me realize that there was love, that I, there was a part of me that was okay, but they left me. By It wasn't malicious. Um, one had to move away, and the other one unfortunately died. And I was left to have to deal with parents that didn't have, they had traumas of their own. And I realize that now. And that really does make it a lot easier because I can say, you know, I can clearly see the traumas they had. And I can clearly say those traumas they had had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with their actions that affected me, but it wasn't mean or malicious or any of that on their part toward me it was their own trauma that was speaking so that's really helped so along with my traumatized childhood i <clears throat> the things that happened afterwards every relationship that i got into was one I should have never been in, in the first place. Some of them I got out out of quickly, some of them I didn't. And those, every one of them have left marks on me. Because I didn't, you know, here I am, I was coming at everything the wrong way. I was very combative. I think one thing that we have to do when we come into relationships or are born into a family like that you have to become tenacious and you have to be able to take care of yourself because no one else is really going to do it and even though i i developed that characteristic i didn't always use it appropriately i didn't have a model to use it appropriately is that an excuse no it's a reason that i'm just finding out at 60 years old i didn't i had this characteristic that is wonderful Being tenacious is incredible. But if you think about it, having to have that as a life skill, that's that's really sad. That's really sad. And I know a lot of you guys struggle with this too. I mean, I the the messages I get, the letters I get, I just I take such a personal interest in the people that write me because they share my story. They share my story. And I felt so alone for so long. I think I've talked about this before, but several years ago, it was after my father had died. So it was probably 2008. I was in in Texas at the home of one of my mother's sisters, my aunt, and her other sister was there and one of my cousins was there. And they were having a conversation in the kitchen. And I didn't, feel. I felt, excluded from that. I don't, they were in no way trying to exclude me, but I was too afraid to include myself on what was happening. And you guys know me, if you've watched my videos, if you know me in person, you know I'm outgoing with people I don't know. I'm very outgoing with strangers. I'm very gregarious. I love it. But when it gets into a situation like that, when people are so close to me, it left me not really knowing what to do, even though one of them was one that really took care of me when I was a child. And my aunt mentioned that to me, that she remembered that time. And I walked into the living room away from them. And she did. She came after me and she said, what's going on? I don't remember exactly what I said to her. I think but I, I can't be certain it was something along the lines of, I don't belong in that conversation. I don't feel comfortable. I don't know if those were like I said, I don't know if those were the words or not. But that's what I was thinking. So I'm not in any way referring to any one relationship in this whole thing. But I wanted to go over this article because I found it really interesting. And it's seven stages of healing from emotional abuse. And it starts out with, I think they're speaking, well, I know in this article, they're speaking of a partner type relationship, but there is one that I had like that recent, not recently, well, yeah, recently, within the last five years, that this would apply to 100%. And we're going to go into that another day because it's one that really opened my eyes to how easily I could be manipulated and how easy it was for me, how starved for affection, attention, and friendship I am that I overlooked red sign after red red flag after red flag after red flag after red flag until it got horrendous. But you know the funny thing? about that is the good part of the relationship was the best I'd ever had and it healed so many things in me emotionally that could not have been healed without that relationship even though there was a bad side to it so I'm very thankful for that but we need to go on that into another another time all right seven stages of healing emotional abuse he says you left your abuser After years of manipulation and verbal assaults, you're finally free. Although now you have to face the emotional recovery. And I tell you, that's hard. That is like climbing a mountain with nothing but your fingernails and your toes with no gear. It's scary. It's hard. It's painful. But it's something you really have to do if you want to progress in your life. Since you had... And this happened with the last relationship I was telling you about. You had the courage to say enough is enough and make the excruciating decision to say goodbye to someone you once loved or may still love. But you knew how toxic and how bad that relationship was and you drew the boundaries and you got out. When I did that, and this is the relationship I was referring to before, I felt exhilarated. I felt in control of my life. Really, for the first time in my life, I felt control of what I was doing. Although, there's a lot to come with that. that's like a whole separate series. And then he goes on, and he says, but another part of you, maybe even the bigger part, feels devastated because of All of your hopes and dreams have crumbled. Yes. And that is a horrible feeling. Nothing's ever going to change with that person, and you know it's not going to. That is a horrible feeling, and it's something I carry with me today. Although I know things are final, they're sealed, they're done, and I am left with the box of that relationship because this person died several months ago, actually on my brother's birthday, so it's never going to be hard to forget of 2021. And I was devastated, and that blew me away because there were like two sides of this relationship. One, I knew everything good and wonderful, and the wizard Vaz, and the other part, I don't remember because of other situations. And he goes on to say, How maybe you're beating yourself up for even getting into that relationship and not seeing the red flags. Yes, I can say that about every relationship I have had in my life that has been a close relationship and not one at arm's length. I can say that about every one of them. You know, you have so many emotions, so many thoughts, so many feelings that are swirling around and you don't know if what you did was right. You don't know what you did is wrong because you really don't have any self-value. You have no self-worth. You haven't gotten to that part yet. Or maybe you have a little bit because you made that decision to get out, but you still have a really long way to go and it's hard to dig through those blocks to find out who you are are I thought I knew who I was and it was who I thought I was no one they were attracted to it in the beginning but then it became too overwhelming for them because like I said I'm very outgoing with strangers I feel very comfortable with strangers which I think says a lot about my problems with intimacy and I'll talk to him about anything. I mean, my gosh, that was, that's what I did forever with in motorcycle rallies. I was ambassador because I could make people feel welcome. I could make them feel comfortable. And I had no, no problem with that. But when it comes to really close one-on-one relationships, I'm done with them. Everyone in my life is at arm's length, except for one person. Everyone is at arm's length. And this... That I'm going to read right now really sums up every relationship I've had. (laughs) Thanks, Mom and Dad, although they didn't mean to. I think if they could see, and if we had had, my dad and I had had the opportunity to really talk about a lot of things, but my mother and I never had that situation. I really don't know if she could have handled it, and I wouldn't want to put that on her. But because of the way I was brought up, I was conditioned to feel less than all the time. This guy's going on to say, whatever triggered you to finally leave the abuser, it's the word he's using. I prefer manipulator, well, abuser, to a neglectful narcissist. You know, it it goes on and on. You You know that no matter how smart, attractive, and charming this person could be, there was another side of them that was completely unacceptable and harmful. You know, really, in my life right now, I think there are less than five people that I know, and they're in my mother, sisters, um, my son, my grandson, that I could probably end up trusting 90% of the time because now I understand a lot more I didn't at the time now I do you finally realize that you don't deserve people that are constantly criticizing you telling you how to do something micromanaging you calling you names and threatening to leave you constantly you don't deserve people who try to control your every thought and action you don't deserve people that try to make you feel like you're crazy and doubt the things that you say you don't deserve people that do the hurtful things that the other person in this relationship did on a constant basis you don't deserve people Or I should say they don't deserve you if you know you are not their priority. Every relationship, that pretty much covers it. So when you come out of this relationship, things are so crazy. They're so upside down. You still have that feeling inside, or I did, of being controlled, manipulated, As a matter of fact, yesterday, for the first time, I watched the original movie, Gaslight. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. If you have not watched it, watch it. To think of the times that someone has gaslighted me and I didn't realize what was going on. That in itself made me feel crazy and very incompetent to even be here. But when you come out, you're gonna have all of these mixed feelings. And I did. And one of the things is because you've spent so many years protecting your feelings, going numb, disengaging. It's hard to get that back. That sort of takes over your body and not a healthy way. There is a very healthy way to disengage from situations to be non-reactive, but that's different than being numb. And that's one of the things I spoke with my doctor about is I was beginning to feel numb again. And I wasn't really sure what it was. You know, a lot of times you may feel like you're an observer in what's going on and not a participant. And I have felt that way that I removed myself from a lot of situations and so I am I do just watch what's going on and that's sort of what happened when I was at my aunt's house and I removed myself because I didn't feel like I was a participant I felt like I was more than like an observer and I removed myself and went and in, into the other room, and it's a, it's an it's an uncomfortable feeling. But that's something that we deal with, and something we have to realize: Are you going to conquer that, or are you going to let it conquer you? But you know, sometimes I think it's it's just we feel hopeless because nothing else has ever worked. We we feel like we've not fed in. We've been put into certain boxes. And we haven't been free to make our own, own choices a lot of times. And when we f- look back and choices we thought we made, those choices were actually made by others. And we were sort of pulled into that. And we thought we made those choices. Because it, it, it's, it's easier a lot of times, with at least with me, to think that and not think, Dang it, someone got one over on me again. I feel like an idiot. And after years and years and years of not feeling good enough and like you you don't measure up, This this caught up with me after leaving my parents and after a couple of very bad relationships. I became more of a people pleaser. I would do what they needed and to the advantage that it overrode overrode Is that <laughs> my needs i was wearing myself down by being and doing too much for other people now a lot of i know a lot of that came in with having foster kids and i had disabled kids and i there was so much that had to be done that it had to be done i had no choice but i had to do it to hopefully help these kids have a better life, help them cope after coming out of such terrible situations. But it tore me down. It was really not a role I should have been in because I didn't have the ability to draw a boundary, to draw a line and say, I can't do this anymore and really make it stick. So I went through and I, you know, that's a hard one. Should I have done it? Should I not? in one way yes because all those kids that came through as foster kids see could see that there's a different way of doing things but when i talk about or think about my self preservation i should never have done that because it ended up destroying me and a lot of times this has happened to me too i'm telling you I, I, guys i'm telling you from my experience When you come out of a relationship like that and you feel so helpless and so worthless, you really want love and you want acceptance. And there's so many times that we can get sucked back into another bad relationship because we don't have boundaries and we're so starved for emotional connection, love, and a meaningful relationship. And something I read the other day that made sense to me because I felt like I was a target for so long. I felt like I was sending out these signals for these narcissists, these horrible people to pick me. But what in fact it is, is they kind of go to person to person to person to person. Most people with healthy boundaries won't let them in. And then they find a someone, then they find a someone, Terry, come on. Then they get to a person who needs or thinks they need what this person has to offer. Zoom. They zero in on you. So you're not really being a victim. You're not being a target. You just need something. And they've gone to all these other people who've rebuffed them And then they come to you and you really need that from whether it's your childhood or past relationships. And they're like, okay, I've got me some supply going here. This is pretty cool. Until you find out about them, you throw them out of your house, throw them out of your life. And then you feel like an idiot again, at least, you know, I did. And I I went through this time of thinking, why are these people, why am I always in a bad relationship? Why am I always in a situation where people don't value me? as much as other people in their lives here I am supposed to be the wife I'm supposed to be the best friend I'm supposed to be whatever but I have never been put on that top rung with other people and that really hurts and so I have to create that rung for myself and I've just realized this my gosh six years old I have to create that rung for myself I have to make boundaries which is nothing that I have ever done, but I've got I've got to do that for myself. So you, if you feel like you're being targeted, you know, just kind of look and realize that's why and all the more reason you need boundaries and you need to look into your past, you need to look into your relationships, you need to look into yourself and see what's going on. Because you're not just sticking out like a neon sign, but you are available when these people go knocking on doors, trying to find someone that they can take advantage of. I see all my relationships path <laughs> go in front of my face for that. It's also really hard for you It was hard for me to be compassionate with yourself and say, wow, I was blindsided. Don't beat yourself up. These are things that many of us grew up with, believing from childhood abuse, neglect, other relationships. We don't have that self-worth. Don't beat yourself up. Use that as an excuse to find that self-worth what are your good qualities? What have you done? What have you accomplished? What are your hopes, your dreams, your thoughts, your future? Reach for those instead of, oh, why didn't I? How could I not see that? I'm such an idiot. I can't believe this happened to me again. Try not to do that. Try to look at the good qualities. Analyze it. You know, everyone says, look at the silver lining. I don't look at the silver lining. I look at the storm now because if I don't know what made that storm, I can't prevent it from happening again. And I think I'm just really coming into the the place where I can look at the storm and say, oh my gosh, I did this and I this. I allowed this to happen. I allowed this to happen. These are parts that I need to fortify of myself. I need to relearn, I need to retrain, I need to reprogram my brain that I am enough, I am good enough. And no, you don't get access to me. You can have feelings of intense anger at yourself, at your partner, at your friend, at your parents. But a lot of times what i found is anger for me is easier to express than fear and that fear with me was i'm not good enough so i would fight back i was very very um reactive a lot of times trying to defend myself and it didn't do any good it just made everything worse and so now i just disengage i'm not going to get in a fight and call people names I'm not going to react if you're going to say something hurtful and mean. Or I'm going to try not to. I still will sometimes, but I really try to be non-reactive. And I, like I said, I have everyone in my life pretty much pushed at arm's length. Another thing that we, we get angry about is we feel like we've lost our identity. I feel like I've never really had an identity. I think I did have an identity, But I feel over time I had to modify it to make other people happy. And that I gave myself up because I didn't wanna be accused. I didn't wanna be lied to, I didn't, or manipulated. I gave a lot of my identity up. People would laugh because they were not on my level of identity. People would call me too flirty when in fact, I'm just friendly with a lot of strangers. <laughs> that sounds bad. I love people. I'd love to talk to people. I love to chat with people. And I don't see that as flirty. I just see that as conversation. You know, flirty's like, hey, you know, my phone numbers. Uh, you like this lipstick I have on? I didn't ever do any of that. I just was like, Hey, dude, I love your Harley shirt. Where'd you get that? One, it's giving me that social interaction that I never got. And another, it's making someone else feel important. And to me, that's important. You can feel very anxious and very depressed. That's that's very normal. This one is where I am. I've lost my trust. And at this point in my life, I can say, Today, at this time, I don't ever want to get in another relationship. I'm afraid. I still think there are people that are too good for me, and I wouldn't want to bring them down. But there's a lot of fear. Are people who they seem, because my judgment has not always been great. And I am very protective over myself right now. So here are some of the ways to heal and know that you're healing from emotional abuse. One of them is to listen to your head, not your heart. I think I've gotten that one down. My heart leads me astray because I like to help people. I like to be there for people. And a lot of the reason for that in my mind is I don't have to look at the hurts of my own. I can make myself feel feel like a worthy person because I'm helping someone else. And it makes me feel good. It makes them feel good. But you know what? If I listen to my head, which I've begun doing now, I used to say, call me anytime for anything, anywhere. And I'd give my phone number out. I'd do whatever. And then I would regret it because I would be just totally taken advantage of. I stop short of that now. I've become very conscious that that's a flaw in me and I have stopped that. It still is like wired into me to want to do that. But now that I see that that's how I have helped myself destruct in the past, I try not to do that in all situations. You know, you've got to judge them. And like I said, use your head, not your heart. A lot of times when we come out of these situations, you're going to feel emotionally frozen, emotionally stuck. You have to allow yourself to grieve and realize that there was a loss in your life. And the only way to get to emotional healing is to grieve. And that's something I learned when my mother died. I didn't get the chance to grieve her death, to mourn her death because we jumped in my brothers and I immediately to take care of our dad and then when my dad died it hit it hit me bad and i think that was a big another big contributing factor to my decline was losing both parents at once because i didn't grieve for my mom i wanted to put it out of my mind the way she died was was horrifying and i didn't want to think about it but I had no choice but to face it when my dad died and I felt like a kite whose string had been cut and I had no foundation, had no one to turn to. My parents did a pretty good job with... I took on their feelings regarding my mother's family when I should not have because I had not witnessed any of that at that time. And that was a mistake on my part. I wish I could do it over again, but I can't. All I can do is say, you know what? I did the wrong thing. I apologize. I can see it now. And I have to leave it with them. It's up to them, whether they, they come or go. That's up to them. That's that's not in my ballpark. It's not in my best It's not in my well-being. It's not not the best for me to chase after something that doesn't want to come back. I'm worth more than that. I'm worth more than that. My love can still be there. But if it's not going to be reciprocated, I know it's okay to love. And know that I'm worth more than trying to beg for crumbs. Another way is worth... Working your way, your anger, working your anger through in constructive ways. Now, before with my anger, I would just yell and scream and throw a fit. Now, I really don't get angry that much. I get hurt. But when I feel angry, I'll breathe. I'll try to ground myself. I go through a mindfulness thing. What do I see? What do I smell? What do I taste? What is the temperature? Where am I? To bring myself back to the present and remind myself, am I angry or am I hurt? Most of the time, I'm hurt. Yeah, when a lot of money was stolen from me, I was extremely angry and I think I had every right to be that way. But anger will consume you. Anger can destroy you. It's one of those things, it's in the past, I can't do anything to change it. I choose not to be angry about it. I choose to watch out next time. I choose to be more mindful next time. Another way you know you're healing and that will help you heal is do something to build your self esteem. I did this and I didn't realize I was doing this. If you look back through a lot of my videos, my YouTube videos, I got into, I was like buying very expensive makeup. I was playing with makeup, makeup tutorials. I was really connected with my dog. I have a service dog that I've really, really connected to. And she genuinely loves me. I am her person. And that is so healing in and of itself. It's like this mammalian connection they love us unconditionally and you have to open yourself up to let them love you love them back my service dog karma i am closer to her than i think i am anything in this world and she she has helped me heal she's helped me love again she's helped me trust again at least with dogs and, she's, real, and it, she's a dog that I had been afraid of in the past. She's a German Shepherd. And that just showed me I have self-worth because she loves me unconditionally. I love her. She gives me something to do. She gives me something to look forward to. Making my videos, doing the podcast, taking pride in my appearance. Those are all things that help build my self-esteem. Reconnecting with old friends, calling people out when they're trying to violate my boundaries. Those always help build who you are because you can see the little steps you're taking to build a new foundation for yourself. You know, set little goals, small goals, and try to achieve them. You know, maybe it's getting up an hour earlier and taking a walk or going to the gym Start with little goals. Those little goals will eventually turn into huge goals that you will be able to see, and with each one, your self-esteem is going to rise. Try to realize with each person that is, you feel you're not using your heart, you're using your head, and you know that person's not good for you, and you draw that line, that line, that boundary that gives you a boost in your self-esteem because you're seeing that you can, in fact, control your life. Look at your values, your opinions, and your beliefs. How do they line up now to where they were before? For me, they have almost completely changed. You know, what are your core values? For a long time, I thought I knew what mine were. And mine were very strict and very much in a box. And I realized that was a self-protective mechanism. I don't have to be in that box. There's a lot of things that need help that are outside that box I put around myself. I don't have to get emotionally attached to these things. One thing that I really love to do is go to watch a lot of my musician friends perform and take pictures and just work on my art of photography that i love and i love giving the finished product to them and saying this is for you it gave me you know it just it did a lot for me and hopefully it'll make them smile you know what's your philosophy about money raising kids which is out of my life right now where you live i don't like where i live i do not like oregon i don't like the conflict in oregon i'd rather be in a much more calm environment what are your political opinions I tell you my political opinions have changed so much in the last 10 years I'm pretty much moderate a lot of things I'm independent on but when I allowed myself to step out of the party box and see things on both sides I found a lot more compassion in myself and for myself. I wasn't living by someone else's guidelines. I was actually doing this for myself. Um, I think a lot of watching my son be homeless and the way he died had a huge impact on me in that area. You know, figure out if if your TV has been controlled and you haven't been able to watch the TV that you want to watch, what do you want to watch? You know, I've quit watching the news because that's just been too negative for me there's a couple of shows that I like to watch and if no one wants to watch them with me I'll watch them by myself you know don't let before I was just oh whatever you want to do whatever you want to do because I know that my say wouldn't be taken it would be oh this is a horrible movie I can't believe they have all this stuff in this I I can't watch it I'm like okay well if you can't watch it I'm going to watch it then in the bedroom or or when you're not here where do you like to eat? Who do you like to socialize with? These are all things of trying to figure out who your identity, what your identity is. Who are you in a nutshell? Who are you really? Look at those, examine them, and find out who that person is that's been in that shell for so many years. Try and treat depression and anxiety quickly. Realize that if you've been in situations where you've been not taught priority and you don't feel worthy, you're going to have a lot of physical symptoms. You're going to have a lot of anxiety. You can have health problems. You need to try and be aware. I've become very aware of my sleep patterns, how I'm feeling. I know the signs if I'm going into a depression or into a numbing phase, and I try to counteract them. It's been a long couple of weeks here for me emotionally, and I'm not really sure what tipped it off, but it has. I know it. I talked to both of my doctors about it. I'm trying to sort of even things out and trying to figure out what's happening. I'm going away this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be great for me. It's going to get me out of the house. I'm. It's, it's going to be a wonderful two, three day trip. I'm looking really forward to that. Another thing is if you decide to date again, don't just jump into it and don't jump into dating someone that just got out of a relationship. Those are huge red flags, huge mistakes. You need to heal. You need time alone. You need to be able to be comfortable with yourself. I was never comfortable with myself. I hated being alone because that person with someone that wasn't accepted by their parents. And that took me a long time. I love being alone now. I can see a life by myself. I know where I'd like to live. I know what I'd like to do. And that is a huge beginning of learning who you are and recognizing your feelings that have been stuffed down for so many years. Another thing you want to do is examine your behavior and your reaction in past relationships and see where you've gone wrong and see if there are some things that you've done right. You know, I know as much as some of you may want to be in a relationship, make sure it's a relationship that's right for you and it's not reactionary just to be in a relationship. Like I said, for me, I don't think that's ever going to happen Again. You know, besides not jumping into a relationship, I guess the reasons for not jumping into a relationship are twofold. When you first get out of a toxic relationship, not only do you want to find the right person to be with, you want to make sure you are the right person to be with. And the only way to do that is to try and heal you know, I recommend Pete Walker's book, from uh, Complex PTSD, From Surviving to Thriving. I, rec- I recommend Rick Johnson's books, Beverly Ingle, Bessel van der Kolk. All of these people have wonderful, wonderful things and have been through the stages. They know what they're talking about. They've helped me tremendously, and I know that they can help you. But you know, when you get in, if you do want to get into a new relationship, you don't want to get into it and realize, oh my gosh, this is the same thing that I just left. I have not healed enough to recognize the signs. So that's really why you want to take your time. Find out who you are first. Make sure that you can recognize and you know the signs of a healthy relationship. Also make sure You're thinking with your head and not your heart. My head says, I need more time to heal and recovery. My head says, that person just jumped out of another relationship. Listen to your head, not your heart. Examine your behaviors and your reactions in your past relationships, in those relationships that you've been in with. Where did things go wrong? Where were you blindsided? Where did you blindside? How did you react? How were you treated? Were you called names? Were you lifted up? Did you lift up? Did you call names? You've got to figure out the ground. Guys, abuse is a hard thing to get away from and to learn to live without, especially if you've experienced since you were a child. It's Difficult to find that ground. I am even though I've lost everything, I am so thankful I broke. Had I not broken and gone down the horrible paths I went down, I couldn't be the person I am today. No matter where you are in the healing process, congratulate yourself. Because you know you're healing, you're looking. You're examining, you're trying to find out what went wrong and what went right. You're trying to find out who you are, who you want to be, how to draw your boundaries. You are a new person. Do not let the past confine you. Let it teach you, but don't let it confine you. That's a hard thing I'm having trouble with right now. I do not want a new relationship. Because one, I still feel I'm not good enough. And two, I am scared, crapless of going through things I've gone through before. Allow yourself plenty of time to deal with and unopen all that baggage, all of the boxes of the past when you're ready. That's a big key. When you're ready, when you feel safe enough, that's another way I think you can tell that you're healing is when you're safe enough to open that box. I wasn't safe enough to open the box with my parents or even touch my toes in it until a couple of years ago. And I am so glad I did. I know my parents had traumas of their own. And that really helps me realize they weren't targeting me. You know, I'm 60 years old. My parents were born in 1938 and 1941. Even if they had had access to the therapy that we have today, it would have been a huge stigma in their life to reach out for it. So understanding all of this makes me much more compassionate with my parents, with my aunts, with people that didn't have the resources that we have today, It doesn't mean what happened was right or wrong. It means they were traumatized and had no idea how to get out of it. And sometimes I wonder if that's one of the reasons um, a couple of family members are like hesitant with me because I think I may represent trauma in their life that has not been uncovered because I'm speaking so freely and so openly about a lot of things. I know that it must bring emotions up for them, and they need to heal from those as well. But allow yourself plenty of time. Download the books you can download. Buy the books you can, you can buy. And I, I'll list some in the show notes that have helped me tremendously to realize these things. Find a good therapist that you can match with. There is no stigma in finding a therapist. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. Stick with it. Get to know yourself. Protect yourself. Learn to draw boundaries. Learn when to say no. Learn to listen to your head, not your heart. I'm not saying be completely heartless and without compassion. Yes, compassion is needed. But for you, you no one's ever protected you. You need to learn to protect yourself in ways you've never been protected. And a lot of these links I'm going to leave in the description box in the show notes below. These people, like I said, have been through it and they have tremendous, tremendous advice on how to heal, how to get to know yourself, how to recognize your trauma, things that you may not be aware of. And once you start digging through this, other memories may flash up. They have for me. And when they flash up, you can choose do I want to deal with these right now or do I want to wait? Jot it down. Look at it again in a week. But most of all, focus on yourself. Focus on healing. Don't jump into another relationship until you have a pretty good comprehension of who you are, who you want, who what you want, what your priori- pri- Why can't I not speak? What your priorities are. Where you want to go in life if you have to even write them down your political beliefs your religious beliefs your goals in life the food you like the movies you like what's on your bucket list that will give you a very tangible thing to look at to look forward to and it will just help you define more who you are so when if you come in contact with someone you may consider dating or getting into another relationship with you have something to to compare with and say well you know this is me how do you feel about this you know you may really dig this person you may really be into them but if they don't share your goals and your passions I'm not saying hundred percent but if they can't understand your desires for these things that'll give you a big hint this is not a person I need to be with. I wish you all the best. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for joining this podcast. I really appreciate you all. And I'll see you soon.